right, New City Church. How are we doing this morning? Dude, man, I tell you what, that was good stuff right there. Pete, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the name of the band this week? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unplug this bad boy. What was, the, what was the name of the band this week, Ed? Pastor Pete. Nice. Wow. It's a handful. That's a mouthful, right? Right on, man. Good man. We'll have a different name next week, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But good to see you guys, man. A lot of new faces in here, man. Good to see y'all. I think I have met you or at least greeted you outside. You're like, who is this maniac shaking my hand and hugging me and spilling coffee, right? Sorry about that. I probably got coffee all over my back, too. I don't care. It's awesome, man. But good to see y'all, man. My name is Casey. I'm one of the, one of the pastors serving alongside you here at uh, New City Church. Great to have everybody in the house. It's a wonderful time. Uh, Crystal, awesome, man. Congratulations. Uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Honor, honor to have you in the family, and uh, it really is just an honor to, to be part of a church, man, that, uh, that we're doing whatever we can to just honor God, uh, disciple people, baptize people, teach people what it means to be obedient to God in, in all those kinds of ways. And I tell you what, if we do enough of that, if we do enough of that and enough people do enough of that and it spreads the way it's supposed to spread, uh, there's nobody's going to be calling the church a bunch of hypocrites. Nobody's going to have a bad reputation for the church because church is going to love the snot out of people, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it goes, the way it goes. So, man, good to have everybody here, man. My, you know, like I, I am in a, in, a, in a very good mood um, at that, saying that at the same time. I'm also recognizing uh, some things that are in our community, man, that we are going to have to start fighting against man and like it like i'm not i'm not a brooding guy or anything like that i know so we have some folks that have some gifts of uh different things and they're sensitive to some of the spiritual things that are going on but man i am just looking at the 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 landscape and in the last couple of me couple of weeks i've seen tears over suicides tears over addictions tears over broken marriages tears over drive-by shootings and things like that right here right like this is and 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 it, I, I, here's what i'm going to declare on behalf of jesus being filled as we are full of the holy spirit enough is enough it's time to start kicking satan's butt right amen here's what we're going to do this wednesday from seven o'clock on time promptly until eight o'clock we will give a hard stop we're going to have a prayer for the community. This city, Edgerton, Baldwin City, Wellsville, I always forget, well, I don't want to forget Wellsville, uh, Gardner, Olathe, Ottawa, like this whole area needs Jesus badly. I am sensing that there is something going on to the point, and in fact, in the first service, there was all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, I'm not like, oh man, not seeing the devil behind everything or anything like that. People dropping stuff. People talking about it, like it was just a distraction. Flickering TVs. Like, I, I, you know, like, I'm like, listen, I, like obviously something's going on to the point where I think one of the the uh, air fresheners fell off the wall. Just like, cra- like, like I'm not again. I'm not like saying this is like Amityville house or anything like that. But listen, there is something going on for when we start talking about what we're going to talk about today. The enemy that's about get, to get his butt kicked does not want you to hear this. And here's, I mean, I want you to understand, this is where we're coming from, from this, this whole idea of the, the bucket list and these buckets that I got up here. I'm going to explain what they are here in just a little bit. But some of you don't know my testimony, don't know where I came from and how I came to know Jesus and why I'm such a, a Jesus freak from it. If you heard this, um, I, I apologize, sort of, but it's not going to be one of the long ones. I was in a discipleship conference this week and said you need to keep your testimony to about five minutes. So I'm going to knock about an hour off uh, of my testimony. 
but um, man, I didn't grow up in the church, didn't know Jesus, any of that stuff. I used to in college, as a matter of fact, make fun of Christians as they would walk out of the church. Y'all would, we, me and some other homeboys would would uh, surround these guys and make fun of them and that kind of thing. Most of the time, people shied away and said, "Leave me alone," uh, you know, that kind of thing, or get scared because uh, run away from bullies or whatnot. But but there was one guy, and I wish I can't wait to meet him in heaven one of these days. That that truly like like stood up for Jesus. And it wasn't like it defiant in our face, like, you better leave me alone. It's like, man, I love Jesus. You ought to come to church with me sometime. I'm like, whoa, dude. Like, does he even know who's there? We could probably take him down. if he, like, You know what I mean? Like we were surrounding this guy, that kind of thing. And so, man, but, but I remember that vividly because it helped me in my walk later on to, to be proud of Jesus and who he is, right? I mean, that, and, and one of the things that I, that, I, that I come to know, like Judy and I didn't, neither one, this is my beautiful, wonderful wife, Judy, she is awesome and amazing, right? And so I've totally outkicked my coverage, not just, but, you know, she's a heck of a lot smarter. I don't know why you hung, up, hung out with me, but anyway. But it's one of those things where we, we got to know one another. Neither one of us knew the other, didn't know Jesus, didn't grow up in the church or anything like that. So we lived together, slept together, all that kind of stuff that everybody else did, right? And so we got married and that kind of thing. And after college, I, uh, we, we had uh, Morgan very quickly after we were, uh, after we were married. Uh, which was kind of a surprise a little bit and you guys some of you guys know our daughter Morgan she's 26 years old she's a worship leader with her and her husband now praise Jesus which is awesome um, and she's a wonderful wonderful young woman uh, the problem is she was a terrible child uh, she she puked all the time she had this stomach valve issue and that kind of thing and so Judy and I are living in Florida have no family around have no church body no be, no friends really or anything like that and we're trying to raise a child and we're tired and exhausted and Judy drops a bomb on me one morning and says, I think we need to start going to church. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? That is weird, right? <laughs> I kind of made fun of them guys. By the way, my college buddies and high school buddies cannot believe I'm actually doing what I'm doing. They're like, you are, there ain't no way, bro. Like, yeah, I caught this, this crazy preaching bug. I got called to it. But uh, can't get rid of the, can't rid of this disease, I guess. But, um, you know, so, so the way she got me to go was that she said, they'll watch Morgan and I did ask her, how much do they charge? She's like, nothing. You know, I think she kind of said moron under her breath. Like, and I said, wait a second. Uh, I thought the church was just after my money, but they're the only ones that aren't going to charge us to watch our kid. That's amazing, right? I mean, the church has a reputation in a lot of ways for a reason. I'm not trying to trash the church or anything. Don't hear me saying that, man. This is the bride of Jesus. If we're realizing what Revelation has to say, that, that he's coming, he's the groom coming back for his bride. That's you and me, right? And so I don't want to trash her in any way. Mrs. Jesus, I give ultimate respect to. But the, uh, what we got to understand is, that, is that, 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 that she's not for sale, right? I mean, it's crazy stuff. Like we think like the reputation she has, and we don't know how to even defend her honor in a lot of ways in our society. We tend to think, oh, yeah, well, you know, a lot of churches, a lot. No, you know what? The, the church is amazing. Look at what we get to do here. And nobody got a cover charge here, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, amazing worship this morning, right? Mediocre preaching today. <laughs> you know, you know it's like, like it's it, like we don't we don't have. Like, there's a lot of things that the church unfairly takes a reputation for, but also I want to point out that we bring a lot of that reputation, a lot of that on ourselves by what we do and how we approach the Bible, how we approach church, how we do all those kinds of kinds of things. And you know, so as I and I just kind of give a little side note, but as I came to, I think I'm going over my five minutes, so don't, don't, don't dock me, but I, you know, came to know, like, 
we started going to church and that kind of thing. We moved to North Carolina, started going to a church. We got baptized just like Crystal did by immersion because that's what the scriptures talk about, and that's what they did. And so I di- we did that, and I think it was saved at that point, but I still wasn't really following Jesus. I was just sort of saved. I mean, he just said he rescued me from hell, hell which is wonderful, but I didn't really start understand what it meant to follow Jesus the way we're supposed to follow him. And so we moved here, and we started going to a church, and our pastor said, hey, would you like to ch- take the, the one-year Bible reading challenge? So I read the Bible in a year, and I thought it was awesome. I said, well, I probably ought to just keep on doing it. And, uh, and so I read, read the Bible every day and still do the, 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 the most, of, most of the time. And, uh, but after a couple of years, I started doubting whether or not it was right to, to read what I'm reading and that kind of thing. And in fact, we were tithing. I'll never forget the first time I gave 10% of my income to the church. I was like, what the crap did we just do, right? Like, that, like that's crazy, man. And so, but this is what scriptures talked about. If we're supposed to do this, is what I'm, you know, that kind of thing. 10% kind of a minimum deal, right? And so we look at that, and, and, and I know that some people are like, oh, there he goes, talking about money. No, we're going to talk about something a whole lot different than, than that. But it was a catalyst for me, that the amount of money that I saw that we were paying, because this is what I thought we were supposed to do. And then I heard the internet was kind of coming around and that kind of thing, and it was saying, I kept reading things like Jesus never existed, and the Bible's full of errors, and Christianity's a myth, and all this kind of stuff. And I started going, wait a second. If that's true, i got to figure this out, because that's a terrible investment, you know, of time and of service and all that stuff, right? I mean, the, people talking about the mission field, it's like, i got to go warn people if this is right. So what I did was um, I took about a two-year time period. I, I call what I saw, I put myself in a cocoon. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out whether this is legitimate or not, because if it's not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away, because I don't want to be part of something that's a fraud. And so I looked at all the different religions that are out there, because I heard also that God's a loving God, and I feel like if he's a loving God, he's not going to go tell his children to just figure it out on their own, and hope you pick the, pick the right uh, religion, or, or otherwise you're going to go to hell. Good luck, right? He's going to make it obvious for us. And so I looked at all the different religions, things like Buddhism and Islam and Taoism and, and New, New Age and Confucianism and all those different religions. I even looked at an a, a, a obscure religion called Phelan Gong, which has some sort of, um, I don't know, in your navel, an energy source that comes from God or something like that. It's kind of an energy wheel or something out of your navel. I mean, I was willing to follow that if I could find evidence of God in it, right? And so I looked at all the religions, not trying to find out what they believe because I didn't care. I cared if there's evidence of God in any of them. And what I found out that Buddhism, Taoism, New Age, Confucianism, Islam, Phelan Gong, all these different religions had zero evidence of God in them. Something you can easily explain by human ingenuity. Easily. But then I looked at the scriptures that we have, the Old Testament, which was written prior to Jesus ever coming. The New Testament was Jesus and him coming. And, and what I found out was absolutely stunning. That I, I looked at a, a pile of zero after zero after zero after zero evidence. And I looked at this mountain of evidence that we have in our midst that God prepared for us and shouted out to us, this is real. And it was amazing. Like from the Old Testament, in fact, here's, here's one example. The Old Testament has 365 
different predictions about a coming anointed one that Jesus, when he came, fulfilled every single one of those things. Things like he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Things like he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Things like he would be born in Bethlehem. Things like his hands and feet would be pierced. Written hundreds of years prior to him ever coming, and he fulfills them all. That is insanely impossible. In fact, someone sent me since I was kind of in, you remember those chat rooms? Remember chat rooms? Back at, way back in the day, I don't even know if they exist, they probably do, but, but you know, I was in a chat room, I was like, hey man, do you, like, I'm looking for evidence of Jesus, like, is this legit? Somebody sent me a, an article about just 17 of those prophecies, that's just like 5% of the predictions about the coming anointed one. 17 of those prophecies coming true by mere chance was 1 in 480 billion, billion, trillion. And I freaking drop down. I'm like, wow, God, you're bigger than me. A whole lot. Like, you showed yourself in the scriptures. I mean, I mean, Muhammad ain't got a, like, can't hold a candle to Jesus. The only one to call himself God with the resume he had is Jesus. And if that's not enough, this dude rose from the dead. And at that point, it gets ridiculous, right? Wow. Like, I'm stunned at this. Like, I'm stunned at the, the whole idea of Jesus. Like, I'm looking at the scriptures, and I'm looking at the church in a whole new light after this, right? And after that, I couldn't help but tell anybody. I, I used to manage rental properties in some rougher areas of Kansas City. Man, I would talk to prostitutes and drug dealers about Jesus. Man, you know, man, this guy rose from the dead, man. And then I would go to the bank and have to negotiate something and everything. Can I speak to the president of the bank? Hey, man, do you know Jesus? I didn't care. I don't, I, and I still don't care. Like, like, this is bigger than me. Once you realize that, guys, we're on fire. And that's the, real, that's the real deal, right? Crystal didn't just get wet today. She didn't just get dunked in a, in a tub today. Man, she did what God said to do. Be baptized. Now we're going to teach her to be obedient. But that's what you do, right? It's amazing to me. It's stunning to me. See, one of the things we want us to do is in 2 Peter 3, 18. Thank you for correcting my notes because I had 1 Peter 3.18 in my notes, but I still have the right scripture. What we want us to do is to be able to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we did this whole happy what happy couples know series, and we were parked in Ephesians 5. And one of the things that at the end of Ephesians 5 that Paul write, writes to this church in Ephesus, and he's trying to help his people understand what it means to walk with the Lord, right? And he talks about the different things in marriage, and he talks about what it means for wives to love your husbands and husbands to love their wives and that kind of thing, submitting to one another in love. At the end of that chapter, he says something kind of crazy, and he says this mystery I'm talking about is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And what he's doing is in context, going back to what he said in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. Paul says, and this is a guy that used to make fun of Christians and kill them, right? And he writes, God gets hold of him and he starts, becomes the biggest champion for Jesus that you've ever seen. Like it's amazing. Planted church after church after church in the Roman Empire. And he writes to one of those churches and he says, therefore I, and he was in prison for Jesus. That's why we know that this, they, they, they had no advantages at all for writing down what they wrote and doing what they did. That's how we know Jesus rose from the dead, man. They all went to death for him. Amazing. See, we have this rhythm of what Jesus did too in our teaching. We have this rhythm of get them, bring them in, keep them, show them this is awesome, 
and then teach them, like gets into the, this is one of those rhythms where we, this is what Jesus did, right? He got his guys, walked with his guys, taught with his guys, and that's what we're doing here. This is one of those times where we're going to teach you some deep, hard, challenging truths. If you're a visitor today, man, it's, it's it, like you're going to have a, I think you're going to be challenged too, right? You're going to be like, wow, this is just different, right? But this is one of those things for those of us who have been in the church for a while, this will be probably a deeper challenge for you. Because we're going to learn some things, and I think we've had some people repent of some things this morning and go away. It's like, man, I was doing it a little bit the way it wasn't supposed to be done, right? And I love that, but I also want to make sure we, we do it the right way. So one of the things that we understand in Ephesians 4 is that Paul writes, says, Therefore I, a prisoner for the, for the Lord, urge you, like I'm begging you, right? Like this is important. I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. Diligently keeping the, say that word, unity of the spirit with the peace that binds us. There is, say it, one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, guys, with enthusiasm, y'all. One baptism, one God and Father of all. We almost called this seven ones, right? Like this is, like there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father who is above all and through all and in all. And what we're going to figure out is that God is glorified by a unified body of believers. And it says it over and over and over in His Word. We are to be together united as one i mentioned the prayer service that we're going to have right this is one of the things we're going to be praying for we're going to be praying for people to be unified we're going to be praying for the relationship between edgerton and gardner right before it gets so ridiculous that it's irreparable Right? You know what I'm saying? Like we're gonna be we're gonna be actually praying for that, and we're gonna be modeling that unity here in our church. Amen. God is glorified by a unified body of of believers. There's several scriptures I want to share with you after after that. But one of the things in the Old Testament that I talked about was that these very things that God has called us to unify around that one body, one spirit, one hope, all those kinds of things, man has tended to divide us in the church over that time. Like things like, well, the Holy Spirit, things like baptism and how it's the style, and all, things like worship styles, things like spiritual gifts, things like translations of the Bible, right? Hymns, or whether or not we want, we want rock and roll t- style of music, or whether we want rap music, hallelujah, I'm praying for that, right? <coughs> or whether we want hymns and organs and whatever it is and those things don't even matter and yet they divide the churches man no wonder we got a reputation by some people thinking you guys are a bunch of hypocrites yeah because we sit there and read that we're supposed to be unified and yet we're divided and we'll go away yeah i left that church because that wasn't singing the right way yeah i left that church because they didn't preach verse by verse yeah i left that church because they did this and that and the other yeah i did that verse because they Use the wrong version of the Bible, or whatever. Like, guys, seriously, let's get our crap together, right? Hallelujah. Amen, right? Denominations, because this pleases Satan a bunch when we do this. Denominations have even started over debates about these very things. And what's crazy is that the scriptures say these things are supposed to unite you. 
and yet we divide ourselves so often. And Satan's like, got him again. All right. Enough is enough. It's time to kick some butt. Right? Churches have split over disagreements about these things. And even stupider stuff like carpet and paint colors. Right? I'm leaving. I'll leave. What is wrong? Right? It's a matter of the heart. Brothers and sisters in the Lord have parted ways over debate about these things. Guys, it's time to get our crap together. Amen? Amen. I'm not challenging you guys, man, because one of the things I love about our church is I love the unity in our church, but sometimes this stuff starts creeping in. Like I said, there's this, there's this, there's this darkness that's happening in our town, in our community, in our area that I think, man, if we're not careful, we can get effect, infected by it, right? Romans 12, Paul writes to the church in Romans, and he says something that's a very popular uh, verse that a lot of people take out of context and use it and that kind of thing for whatever reason, they, they don't really see this. But listen to what he says to the church in Rome. This very same Paul who wrote, who, who's written almost everything we we're going to read today. He says, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I, he says it again, right? I'm begging you guys, right? I urge you to present your bodies plural, right, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. He said, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to be thinking right, right, thinking like God, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. People tend to say things that, well, read that, and they'll say things like, I must be a living sacrifice. And God says in his word, we must be a living sacrifice. That's the difference between what God actually says and some other stuff we tend to do with it. These buckets represent the truth. And it's a small bucket because it's pretty doggone narrow what God says in his word. It's not narrow-minded. It's like it says what it says. But what we'll tend to do is we'll say, yeah, but I was taught this. Right? My pastor said this, and I can think, let me tell you something. If I ever say something that's different from what you read, go with what you read. And tell me about it. Like, I want you to know about it. Like, I would rather be embarrassed in front of you than be, be shocked that I taught something wrong in front of Jesus himself, right? So we have the truth. Then we have what we call doctrine, which is sort of what was taught and that kind of thing. And like some people call it traditions and that, like all, whatever it is. I've had people come up to me and say, well, no, don't you know that this is what he's supposed to be? And I was like, oh, what does it say in the Word? Oh, I don't know, but this is what I was taught, right? We've got to be careful we're not taught the wrong thing. Then you got the big old stinking, honking, stinky one, right? They call this the chum bucket if you're SpongeBob freaks, which I am, by the way. This is the stinking opinion bucket that everybody's got one. Everybody's got one of these, right? No matter what this says, well, I think God would boom. Well, no matter what this says, well, I think the church ought to be a, right? And we can get real, real squirrely because we're, we're taking ourselves away from the truth. So the point of this whole series is that we're going to stick here and we're going to honor the people that have taught us and things like that, but ultimately understand that this is where we're supposed to lie. Like the truth is where we're supposed to lie. And no matter what we think, it always has to be submitted to the actual truth of the Bible. Is that cool? Is that cool? Fair enough? Fair enough. So this is what we're going to do. Because the Bible's real and legit. Sorry. Almost tripped. I knew I would. But the Bible is true and legit and real. And I talked about the Old Testament because it's everywhere. Old Testament, New Testament. Before I trip again, I'm going to kick that right. 
Old Testament and New Testament. Psalm, Psalm 133, verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Colossians wrote, wrote to, Paul writes to the church in Colossians. Colossi? Help me. It's Colossians, but where's the church? Colossi, okay, that'll work. Colossi it is. You were first. Say it boldly and confidently. People think you know what you're talking about, right? Colossians 3, verse 12, starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore, God's chosen ones, that's you and me, right? Holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These rivalries have got to go, right? I've seen even brothers and sisters get mad at each other because one lives in one town, one lives in another town. Baloney, right? No more. We're going to be fighting against that Wednesday night. Accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of your Messiah, of the Messiah, to which you were also called, to one body, right? This is, there's a theme here, right? From Genesis to Revelation, you're going to hear this, this theme. Control your hearts and be thankful. Paul writes to the church of Philippi, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way. Does that mean we don't have our own opinions? Absolutely not. But we've got to be of one accord, got to be of one mind, just like he says in other scriptures as well. Having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. That's why we have our, 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 our initiative called Will It Be Us? That's our goal. Will it be us that reaches our, our community? Not only those who are here, but those who are coming. Everyone, uh, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility... Consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. See, that don't come natural to me. And that don't come natural to you either, right? I'm, I'm told in the culture I'm supposed to be looking out for number one. Here's Jesus and God in his word saying I'm supposed to look out for other people ahead of myself. That's ridiculous. That's why it's written down in the Bible. You realize that nothing commanded in the Bible ever comes naturally to us? Naturally, we're selfish. Naturally, we're vengeful. Naturally, we're going to snap back and argue and try to win a fight. Jesus says to submit to one another in love. Right? Wow. Other scriptures I'll let you look up on your own that are written in the uh, bulletin. I'm going to give you some homework here a little bit that I'll, I'll let you do. But here's the deal, man. When we start talking about uh, all those different scriptures that are written down in there, Take those this week and just start reading them, and I'll, I'll tell you about that, what to do with those in a second. But here's the thing that is absolutely amazing to me. Knowing what God's Word is and how powerful, like I still don't know how powerful it is. Only thing I know is that the Word of God is a whole lot bigger than me. It's supernaturally inspired and divine, divinely breathed into these guys that wrote it down. Because there's no way you can get all these different people to write down the same God that's going to come, right? Like it's amazing to me. And yet, when he says to be unified in, in our church and to be one of those kinds of people that is to see how he, we can serve the bride of Christ, instead, so many of us in our culture do something horrific in God's eyes. And what they do is they treat Mrs. Jesus, the bride of Christ, the church, like a mistress. 
or a prostitute. As long as she tells me what I want to hear, I'll stick around. As long as she dresses the way I like to dress, I'll visit her once a week. As long as she doesn't make me do anything I don't want to do, I pay her a little money. She said, I just got to break the heart of God. If she listens to me, I'll grace her with my presence. If she pleases me, I'll give her a little bit of spare change, maybe, if she's lucky and, and feeling right today. If she serves me, I might serve her a little bit. If she makes me feel good, I'll stick around. Guys, are we squirming a little? We've all fought this. We've all dealt with this in our own minds, in our own hearts, about how we're supposed to come approach church. Those of us who are believers so many times have gone from church to church to church because they want to find out the place that pleases them. When we've got to approach the church, how can I serve her? Wow. Amen. This is hard, and I get it. But this is reality. And this is what we got to deal with here. See, the main thing we got to keep in mind is that these buckets about what, the, what God actually says in his Bible and how we're supposed to approach church according to his word has to be the main thing we focus on. It is not what we've been taught. It is not what the Southern Baptists say. It is not what the Catholics say. It is not what the Methodists say. It is not what the Presbyterians say. It is what God says. Amen? It is not what I think it says. It's what God says. That's why it's narrow and that's why it's small because it's really simple. See, there's, there's all kinds of interpretations going on in the scriptures. And interpretations are fine, but ultimately we, we got to quit interpreting what God says and just hearing what God says so that we can do what God says. Amen? Wow. Like it's, re- like, it's really not that hard to be a Christian. I mean, it's difficult from the standpoint of, man, uh, I don't have to do a whole lot, but I've got to do a whole lot different than the world does. And that's where it gets weird. That's where it gets strange. A lot of times people doing their own way, and we've got to go God's way, and it looks different than the rest of the world. And I don't want to look stupid, and I don't want to look out of place, and I want to fit in, and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying we've got to be odd for God all the time, right? You ever hear that? It's people like just they just got to be odd because well, I'm not part of the, yeah, he's pointing to himself, right? You're odd. You're, yeah, you're odd, but I love you. So does everybody else, you punk. <laughs> this, is, this is the truth, right? This is the truth. And this is where we got to go. What does he say? And it's not just a matter of learning. A lot of people think I, I don't like Bible studies. That's not true at all. I just don't like Bible studies just for the sake of studying. Just so we can learn what it says. Man, we actually got to do what it says. Do what God says in his word, right? And this is where we're going to go here. I, um, it's funny. The main thing is to find out what God says, that little bucket right there. And what does he want me to do about it? Too many of us go and find out, and we look at the deep recesses of the Greek, and we want to find out what it says and learn 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 and go to every study that we can and everything like that and walk away going, man, that was a good study. I learned a lot today and never actually do it. 
stupid, man. Don't waste your time, right? You know what I mean? I'm not trying to call anybody stupid. Please don't hear me that. But that is not smart to do that because it says in his word to do and learn and do what it says. Wow. I was teaching. Uh, we've taken probably 15, 16, 17 guys through <coughs> a class called T3. It's called Teaching Teachers to Teach. And we learn about what it means to preach, learn about what it means to teach. And we we go through this, and it's really interesting. And I, I remember going through what Jesus said about how we're supposed to, like, handle the word of God and, and what he said and all those kinds of things. And, and it was in red letters what we read out of. And, and I asked the guys, I said, what did, what did Jesus say there? And the first thing the first guy said was, well, well I think, I said, stop right there for a second. I didn't ask you what you thought. I asked you what God said. I asked you what Jesus said. Who is God in the flesh, right? I asked you what he said. I didn't ask you what you thought he said. It's red letters, man. What did he say? And so he just read. Right? I mean, I love that, right? It's like, because our automatic default is, well, I think, and I interpret it this way, and my pastor taught me, and yet we've got to go into it saying, what does, what does he say? Right? It's amazing how we miss that. Because our minds, that's why it's, Paul says, man, we've got to have the same mindset as Jesus. So truth, the three buckets. This is the bucket of things in Scripture that are non-negotiable, and they're pretty obvious most of the time. Sometimes you have to go, I wonder what that means. I, wonder what the, I get that. But it's real simple a lot of times. Not really open for interpretation a lot. we got tradition bucket or the doctrine bucket. Some people call it the denominational bucket these are things that are taken and taught sometimes rightly sometimes wrongly you'll hear people things like well god wants to richly bless you and it's thought that he wants you to be rich right god wants to bless you and uh, he wants you to be have all kinds of health and no problems right like you'll hear stuff like that sometimes it's taught correctly too i'm not just an example of how it's taught incorrectly sometimes people will take the truth and says this is what god says and they'll this goes over to the opinion bucket which is our thoughts and feelings about what God has to say can't totally discount those things and everybody's got them but ultimately we've got to humble ourselves and discipline ourselves to get here not here or here that surpasses here amen everything we know about the church everything we know about God has to come from here everything we're taught and everything we think and feel has to submit to what God said that's hard but it's simple but it's difficult, but it's simple, right? And I love this. And I want to give you guys some homework. And I want you to, to take this homework seriously, like, like do that this week. It's my require four minutes of reading a day. Ah. Some people think that's funny, but, but here's the thing. If you've never read the scriptures... Man, it's going to be like, what the heck am I reading? Where am I going? Like, I get that, right? I don't even know where to look it up in the Bible. Do I even have a Bible at home? Listen, I say this all the time. TGFG, thank God for Google. Google it. Those scriptures that are in your bullets and look it up. I don't care if it's digital. Don't fall into that trap. That's not, that's the opinion bucket. You ought to have a paper Bible. Really? Book, chapter, and verse, bro. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? I want you to read those scriptures that are in your bulletin this week. Every day. 
Second thing I want you to do is those scriptures are about church unity, being unified in the body. I want you to ask yourself and challenge yourself. What's my role and responsibility in this unity in the body? What is it? Have I been deficient in it? Have I done things that have been disunifying? Have I hurt my brother and sister, been impatient with it, and just said, you know what, I don't even like that church no more, whatever. Have I left because of dumb reasons when I look back on it and the truth says something else? Have I left because of preferences and things like that? Do I need to reconcile with somebody? Maybe, I don't know. Have I left because I'm self-centered and Mrs. Jesus wasn't meeting my needs? I don't know. People leave churches for godly reasons too. Don't hear that. If you're led by God, awesome. But if you're led by yourself and your opinions, it's going to get you in trouble every time. I want to pray this week, finally, third thing. Pray this week and prepare this week to come together again with a clean slate. Man, no matter what you taught, no matter what you were told, no matter what you heard, I want you to come back to next week and this week. Approach the scriptures this week going, you know, I don't care what mama said. I love my mama, but I don't care what she said about God. I'm going to go find out from God himself and look at it. And I want to leave you with the great words from a a guy out of Houston, Texas. He is a fantastic author. He's a church planter. He's a pastor. He's a scholar. um, And he's a rapper. And his name is Trip Lee. And he wrote a song a while back. Hey, hey, how how did you know? I wasn't going to quote country songs. No offense. But it's amazing that this rapper wrote down the words in a song called Real Vision. And he sang it with a, another rapper named Tadashi, if you know who he is. I'm going to break my neck. I know I am. He says, these days in the church, most cats got it twisted. Don't let them fool you on how we're supposed to live this. For instance, some say to come to Christ for riches. Or maybe your blessing, but my question is, what is this? Because... This ain't the gospel that if you put your faith in him, you come to the Savior and you rake that paper in, face it, friends. They just made Jesus their holy ATM. Paul would be appalled. This gospel would be disgraced to him. This false gospel strips him of his flyness. He's more like your servant and less like his highness, so please don't buy it. That idea is absurd. Jesus said the Christian life can be strife and filled with hurting. Homie, I would hate for cats to get that fake stuff. Never know it's wrong because they won't open a page up. I pray that we erase the wrong views and embrace the holy word that testifies to us about the Savior. I don't know what you heard, but I hope it matches the word. I don't know what you think. Homie, it's time to get it straight. Amen. Father, we are in awe of you. We are truly in awe of your your power and your word. Humans could not have done what you did. They could not have written what you wrote. They could not have done what you've done. 
And Lord, there are people here that don't know Jesus. Don't, they don't know your son. They don't know you. And they're rocked this morning. And that's cool. We've all been there. This is a place where people love to see people come to know you. But this is also a place where people say, you know what? We're going to challenge ourselves to live the way you're supposed, you want us to live. Because you're God and we're not. So we're going to take communion this morning, Lord. And, you're, and we're going to commune together, unified, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Some of us need to rest and sit this morning and just say, you know what? Man, apologize to you for having treated your wife, Mrs. Jesus, the way we have. Some of us need to repent and turn back to you and treat her with an, an amazing way to serve her, to love her, to see how, how we can submit ourselves to one another, her in love. So as we take communion today, Lord, may you rock our hearts. And may we turn to you if we haven't. It's in your son's precious and holy name we pray. Everybody in the house said.